You're listening to the Technology for Mindfulness podcast, episode 68, hosted by me, Robert Plotkin. Today I'm going to be speaking with Mary Grace and Natalie Sexton and Bethany Baker, all from AGAP, a nonprofit organization that hosts events called Reprieves, where people learn to recalibrate their relationships with technology, both in the workplace and in their families. You can find out more about AGAP at agap.life. I'm extremely pleased to welcome Mary Grace and Natalie Sexton and Bethany Baker to the Technology for Mindfulness podcast. In the interview that you're about to hear with Mary Grace and Natalie Sexton and Bethany Baker of AGAP, you will hear them talk about the importance and value of leading by example in your technology habits. And I I really uh, liked that idea and thought I would give uh, you some tips about doing that in your own life. I found this very helpful. If you find that you have developed some healthier digital habits than you think people around you have, you might be tempted to tell them to change. But we know that people often don't respond well to being talked at in that way, even if it might be to their benefit. And, you know, maybe you're not right. Maybe your habits aren't healthier than theirs. It's important for all of us to have some humility about that. We don't know where other people are coming from, why they're acting the way they are, and what their motives are. So, you know, I've done a few things in my own life as examples. One of them is when I go into a meeting, I'll sometimes say, oh, you know, I need to... uh, I'm going to put my phone into do not disturb mode before we get started. Just give me a second and I'll put the phone in do not disturb mode and then put it away. And I've noticed in certain situations, people pay attention and have done that themselves in the future. That's one example. Another is I remember having a few interactions with people where my phone would ring while I was talking to someone else face to face. And the person would say, oh, do you need to get that right now? And I'd say, no. I don't need to, and I wouldn't look at my phone. And I've had cases where people have commented to me about that, that that maybe didn't occur to them, that that's something you could do, which is to not even look at your phone, uh, much less not answer it. And it goes in the other direction. I've picked up a lot of good habits from other people, uh, things I've tried out uh, by observing how other people act. Recently, I was with someone who went a step further than me and actually turned his phone off completely while we were meeting. And I usually don't do that. It helped me to reflect on, you know, do I really need to have my phone on during certain meetings? Even if it's in do not disturb mode, would it be better to just turn it off completely? So, you know, the suggestion here in terms of leading by example is to both practice that yourself and Maybe other people will pick up on what you're doing and change their own habits, but also to follow by example. Be open to noticing what other people do that you might want to adopt in your own life. And this is a way in which we might all be able to help each other out indirectly through observation and maybe in a you know less heavy-handed manner than you might do otherwise. So just a suggestion for today to experiment with leading by example and also following by example in your technology habits. Hope you find that useful, and I think you're really going to enjoy the upcoming interview with the founders and leaders of AGAP when they talk about 
the events that they run called Reprieves to help people learn new and healthier digital habits. Hi, Mary, Grace, Natalie, and Bethany, and welcome to the Technology for Mindfulness podcast. Hi, Robert. Thank you so much for having us. I'd love to get started by having you tell us just a little bit about what AGAP is and why you started this organization for helping people to learn how to be more mindful and how they use and interact with technology. Thank you, Robert, for that. We're very excited to be here. So AGAP has been a passion of ours for quite some time before we before we really knew what it was going to be and, and how we were going to bring it to fruition. I would say about three years ago, Mary Grace, our founder and CEO of Natalie's Orchid Island Juice Company, a, a premium fresh squeezed orange juice company, really began to see both in her professional and personal life how technology was becoming more of a detriment than a resource. She noticed how, you know, when it came to to her, her executive team, how technology, instead of being a benefit, was taking and distracting time from productivity in, in the corporate realm. And then also in her personal life, it, it really it really hit home when she had her first granddaughter, which is actually my daughter two years ago. She started to notice more evidently when, when, when we were out in public and looking at other families, but also internally how technology was becoming a pacifier in relationships instead of again, being a resource for us to utilize. And it was really taking away and deteriorating human relationships and preventing people from taking the time to really invest in each other and be intentional with raising a child instead of just using it as a way to distract a child. And so at that point, I, I think it was when Isabel was about six months, she said enough. She said enough from a corporate standpoint and from a personal standpoint, we need to take a stand on how we realize that technology is not going to go anywhere and that technology can be a resource, but it's becoming a point where technology is now running our lives and it is not an asset. It's becoming a detriment. And that's how AGAP really came about. And the way that we started AGAP was was focusing on young adults because we saw that was the immediate need, right? Young adults have been, especially depending on the age group, some young adults have not had the opportunity to be raised without technology and experience true freedom that, that comes with the lack of technology. So Mary Grace started the foundation with the intent to focus on young adults to begin with, whereas young adults are just a, a, a mere piece of the technology issue because all demographics and all age groups are, are being affected by technology. But currently, the foundation of AGAP was to really take young adults and take them away and, and, and literally remove them from their day-to-day routine and their habits so that they could experience what it is to live life intentionally without constant distraction from not only technology, but notifications that you receive and from other aspects of technology, such as gaming. You know, we look at technology and there's a lot of different aspects of what technology can mean to you, social media. And so AGAP, we defined it as a reprieve because we wanted we wanted individuals to really feel that moment of freedom when you are literally uprooted from your day-to-day life that is comfortable and that is really serviced by the convenience of technology and realize almost a shock factor of, oh my goodness, I actually have to engage with other individuals and not use my phone as a way, as a defense, as a way to, to, to prevent myself from connecting with other people. And so these reprieves uh, Bethany puts on and leads and guides are typically two to three days. And they are usually in a nature environment 
she does a wonderful job at putting on a variety of educational sessions on, on talking to you about what are the benefits of stepping away from technology? What are mindful technology habits you can implement in your life? And also cultivating relationships on a one-on-one basis without the distraction of technology. And these, these young adults walk away with a sense of freedom and a sense of understanding that, you know, there's more to life with personal relationships than relationships behind screens. I think society will pay more attention to the children and start learning how to wean them and how to how to distract them from technology. But I do believe that young adult group, I just think that they're just going to be starved for somebody to, you know, just to say, hey, listen, it's okay. It's like some of them, they think they're burnt out and they, you know, they go around and they say, I'm burnt out. You know, I'm just burnt out like some of them in New York City. And I think to myself, they're not burnt out. They, they're having literally nervous breakdowns because their bodies cannot assimilate all the technology that they're having to receive. And, you know, to me, I think it's a horrific situation, but I'm an extremist. So you've said that as part of AGAP, you lead mostly young people through events that you call reprieves or experiences, where uh, you're able to guide them through uh, ways to experience life without technology or differently. Can you tell us a little bit more about what these reprieves are like? Yes. So we started in March of 2018 and we have technology free reprieves where we disconnect from technology to reconnect with each other. And we literally collect the cell phones. So there are no cell phones available. With that, we're able to go deeper, quicker without the distraction of phones buzzing on and off. And it's been very interesting to see that happen with people who both don't know each other at the beginning and then also people who do know each other and are able to go deeper. And part of this, this weekend reprieve, we, like I said, we started in March of 2018 and we've had a unique experience almost every single month since then in different locations with different guest speakers. And we have four core values that make up an AGAP reprieve. And it's engaging community, which is where we foster authentic, uninterrupted community. We do bonfire, improv, just really getting people outside of their comfort zone, getting able to connect with each other. And then the second one is enhanced creativity, where we have different creative elements that we're able to expand our creativity and just do watercoloring, wood burning, different things that get them to reconnect with a lot of activities that they used to do as kids, but don't haven't had the time to do in a long time. And everybody really enjoys that aspect. And then the third is explore creation, where we get outside and we get in nature, depending on where we are, this varies based on location. So it might mean a high ropes course, it might mean hiking or canoeing, whatever that may entail. And then the fourth is execute change. And this is where we have our sessions on implementing healthy technology habits to thrive, both professionally and personally. And we also do breakout groups afterwards because we, we only have a few sessions. We don't want it to be too hardcore lecture based. But then in the breakout groups, people are able to externally process the information that we're sharing so that they can see, okay, what was my takeaway? And what can I do to go home now and implement these healthy technology habits? Because we, we want this to be much more than just a digital detox. We want it to be a catalyst for life change about implementing healthy technology habits so that we can thrive and that we are using technology rather than it using us. I really appreciate the, the, the approach you're talking about. One, that it's experiential. You know, We know that, of course, it's important to learn to 
understand intellectually maybe what challenges we have with technology, but that the understanding on its own usually isn't enough to bring about change. And, you know, you're helping people actually experience this. You're giving them tools. And the other part, which which I appreciate, is that you're helping them develop skills that they can use when they leave. I think detoxes can be really helpful. I do them for myself. I'm a fan of them. I don't think there's anything wrong with detoxes. But just as you said, on their own, they don't really leave you with a new way of being when you leave the detox, a way of reengaging with technology in a different in a different way. So maybe can you give some examples of of you know ways in which you through these experiences help give people some tools that they can use once they go back into the you know quote real world after they leave the the event. That's a great question, Robert. And the first thing that we really encourage people to do is have accountability because we can all have these great life changes that we want to make. But if we don't have the accountability moving forward, it can be very difficult when we get back into our regular routine to enforce these changes that we've said that we want to commit to. But then at that point, we don't have the motivation or willpower to do them. And so a lot of what we're moving into 2020 is ACAP being more of a lifestyle. And so we're talking about doing day pop-up events. In, in our most popularized areas where we have the most AGAP alumni so that we can create this ongoing accountability and this lifestyle about, hey, how are you doing with your tech use? Hey, what's your screen time? And it was interesting. The other day I was at dinner with some alumni from AGAP and they came to one a couple months ago. And he said he started with not doing any games. So for everyone, it's different. And that's the, that's the beautiful thing about it is everybody has different things that they have to work on. And sometimes I nitpick at social media because I know the detriment it can have. And one thing we really encourage people to do is just have one social media account because the more that you have, the more anxiety and stress it brings because you feel like you have to constantly keep up with these different things. So having one social media account would be great. And then turning off notifications because you're three times more likely to use an app if you have notifications. And then another big one for a lot of people who struggle with sleep is the blue light, which mm-hmm. I, as most of us know, the blue light emitted from our devices turns off the melatonin in our brain, which keeps us from sleeping. So we really encourage people, turn off your devices an hour or two before bed, and most importantly, leave it outside of the room and get a physical alarm clock. And from a, a corporate or business standpoint, we, we really recommend that people only utilize one technology device to work on. Now, in today's day and age, you see your employees with three different devices that they're checking one email on, okay? The inefficiency of that, they have to check the email on the iWatch, then on the iPhone, and then on the laptop. So one thing that we've done from a corporate standpoint is we really encourage our employees, do not have an iWatch while you're at work, do not have your cell phone if possible, and only utilize one one technology device to manage your business affairs. You know, we're a production facility and it it amazed me that I had this put in lockers so they would put their phones away when they got (laughs) to work. They were on the floor. I said, do you realize that somebody's going to take one of these phones out, look at it, and they're going to get run over by a forklift. I said, people don't realize how unsafe they are if if they're on your body and you're doing something else that's really important. And and we've forgotten personal just awareness and and personal safety because of of technology. I mean, mean, Bethany can speak to statistics on, you know, just the reckless driving, which I'm sure you know, but, but in the, but in the production and corporate world as well, like Mary Grace was saying, I mean, what is so important on our cell phones that cannot wait? 
you know, we forget the times when we had to have personal relationships to communicate and to interact. Now, instead of interacting with the people that are right in front of you, we'd rather be interacting with somebody that's hundreds of miles away or, or in another room instead of just going and talking to them. Yeah. And, and I wonder if you can speak uh, a little bit as well. You talked about the, the corporate environment, which certainly people have to be able to coordinate with each other. I think there are limits to what each of us can do individually. And it sounds like you have people who are coming into retreats. You, you said at first, some of them may know each other, but many people may come in and not know each other. I'm assuming many people might come in, maybe they're the only person in their family who's coming to one of these, or the only person in the organization. Now they go back to a family where other people haven't made this step. Uh, or to a, a team at a company where other people haven't made this step towards trying to change their their digital habits. What can you speak to there in terms of challenges of trying to do this when people around you aren't, or any resources you give people to try to bring their family into the folds, you know, or work together with other members of the team? Because we all know that when you're trying to change any habit and you're doing it with at least one other person, either because that person's trying to change their habit as well, or they just know that you're trying to do it and they're being supportive of you, how much easier it can be. Robert, we, we first of all, we love this question. Bethany does quite a bit of work with parents and, and mothers when it comes to healthy technology habits. And one thing that, that she and I have noticed with the sessions that she puts on to help guide parents when it comes to raising kids in a digital world is that these parents are looking at their children and saying, oh my goodness, my child has a technology addiction. But what they aren't doing is realizing that they have the technology addiction and they're passing it on unknowingly. So what Bethany does in a great way, we you know this is something we had to kind of evolve her sessions because we realized it really starts with the parent. So these young adults that come on our, our reprieves, they become enlightened with the fact of, and they feel this sense of not only uh, rejuvenation, but also a sense of freedom, like I keep saying, and freedom's really the important word here. They feel this sense of freedom and, and a lack of anxiety when they take away, we take away technology and they step back. But when they go back, they look at, they look at family members and they realize that it's, it's a huge problem. And so when it comes to younger children that, that are still in the home, it needs to start with the parent. And the parent has to identify, how are my technology habits affecting my relationship with my spouse? And then ultimately, how is it affecting the way that I raise and relate to my child? So it, this is a really big issue that it's really hard to get to the core of because there's so many different angles that it needs to be approached from. And that's just the family dynamic aspect of it, right? There's so many others that you brought up that we would love to address. And I know Bethany would like to speak to that right now. Yes, we're actually doing our first private session for a ministry that we're working with and partnering with doing private AGAP experiences. And we're going in and doing a training because they work with a lot of college students. So we're doing a, a training for their staff so that then they can go out and equip the people that they're working with or the young adults or whatever it may be. And whenever we say young adults, I just want to clarify, we mean 18 to 30s. So this is millennials and and 
towards the end of the Gen Z. So a lot of that too is is we encourage people that you need to set the example because if you go home and your spouse or your partner wasn't at the AGAP experience and you see everything that they're doing wrong and you just nag them, then that will make them more bitter and they will just be on their phone more to spite you. And so the biggest thing that we encourage people is you set the example. And I mean, even I've experienced this over the course of working with ACAP and all these different things is that that's when it seems to be the healthiest, healthiest connection whenever they go home is that when they decide I'm going to set the example. And I've done this in a very kind way with my family when it comes to because I, I, for me, that just seems like a waste of time. And so I just w- would rather read or different things like that. And so I just very kindly say, thank you so much, but I'm you know going to go do this instead. And that's what we encourage people at AGAP is that technology should enhance your values, not take away from it. You know, there's, and there's simple things that you can do to really help bring in other people into your technology habits. And, and it's, it's, for example, I mean, remember traditional dinners, families today are, are, are essentially everyone's on the go. Everyone is so busy, but taking the time to really sit down as a family again, but leaving the phones in another room that gives you 30 minutes of authentic interaction and conversation and, and actually being intentional with those that are in your life day in and day out. Right. So little things like that, just asking a simple request, like I'm not asking you to, to, to step away from your phone for hours. Let's just have a meal together, whether it's lunch, whether it's dinner, and let's leave the phone in the other room for 30 minutes or or even, you know, on the weekends, if you guys are doing an activity, um, whether it's biking or walking or whatever it may be, leave the phones in the car. Again, not a huge request, but you're inviting people into your habits of trying to reduce the amount of technology you use on a day-to-day life. If you try to be dramatic in the effect of, we can't have technology for three hours at night, it probably won't be effective, but it's trying to be mindful of you know where other people are with their technology use and trying to incorporate it in a, in a delicate way that makes sense so that everyone can be a part of the movement instead of being resistant to the movement. I like that you you emphasize the delicate part. You know, we often talk about children as being the ones who will resist or push back if you try to instruct them too harshly. But look, adults are like that too. If we adopt a, a holier than thou kind of attitude towards other people about our own habits, whether it's technology or not, I I react to, uh, harshly when someone tries to be that way with me about whatever the habit might be. Whether you want to say catch more flies with honey, or I always think of the old Aesop fable, right, of the sun versus the the wind, you know, whatever, however you want to look at it, it can be much more effective and compassionate to, as you said, lead by your own example and, you know, trust that other people can make decisions for themselves. You actually lead to a better, stronger relationship that way, too, than trying to push or force or shame people, uh, you know, into changing how they behave. And I think it's a trade-off, right? Trying to find an engaging activity that they are willing to put their phone down for. It's almost like a way to, it's a, it's a trade-off. Like when you have children, you know? <laughs> <laughs> a big thing that we found out is that instead of just saying to take the phone away, especially when I was reading a lot of parenting resources and things like that, they said, if you just take away the gaming, then your kid is just going to end up getting in more trouble because then, then what do they do? Or they don't know what to do. And so the biggest thing is rather than just taking it away is replacing it with something that is more life-giving. And that is the example that we try to set 
at an AGAP experience is that example of let's replace it with something more life-giving for this weekend because a lot of times people will not change their habits unless they have a big enough positive reason to do so. Even when we know the detriments of it, unless we have a positive alternative, a lot of times it is difficult for us to make those changes, even if we know it would be more beneficial for us. Yeah, I think it's a really good point. And it just also emphasizes the fact that the technology, despite all of its significant detriments, as you said, can produce, you know, really in the moment, what feel like positive feelings. That is what attracts people to them so much. We have to take that seriously, that there's something that's very attractive to people that keeps them coming back to the technology. And as you said, that's the reason why it's so difficult for people to switch to something else, because consciously or not, their their mind or their subconscious or just the habits are going to be pulled towards sticking with the social media or games or something else that in the moment can produce some positive feelings. So I, yeah, it's, it is a really serious challenge. And you know, I wonder if you can speak to the, the, the challenge of the fact that because a technology is designed to produce such intense, repeated, constant positive feelings, or maybe I just call it a high level of stimulus, that it can, it can be hard to compete with that with something else. Definitely. No, and that's what what we've learned is that there's this thing called the dopamine wall. Whenever we've received too much dopamine, which I'm sure you've heard this before, then we build up this literal wall in our brain because there's too much dopamine and our brain is saying, we can't handle it. We can't handle it. But then also what we need is we need more dopamine to get the same fix that we used to have off a smaller dose of dopamine. And so that's a huge thing that that we tell people is that we have to reset this. And a lot of times the only way that we can recalibrate this dopamine effect, if you will, is by having that detox where we just unplug and we, we disconnect from all the chaos so that we can recalibrate what is a healthy dose of dopamine that we receive. And that is a big thing too, is that people think that they're social when they're online scrolling through social media all day. But we, we studies have shown that it is worse for us when we don't interact on social media because we're not engaging. And if, if we are choosing to be on social media, it's better to interact because then it feels like we're still engaging in conversation. But psychologically, it does not do the same for us as sitting down with a person physically having a cup of coffee and catching up. And so that's something that we've tried to emphasize to people is that being social is not being on social media. Being social is getting out of your house or having people over and having that physical connection that is so important for us holistically, mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, uh, just everything. And that's what we've come to find out with AGAP is that it does, it affects, technology affects everyone in every season and every aspect of life. And that's why it can be this universal thing that needs to be controlled. Because if it is not controlled, like you said, I mean, there's thousands of programmers whose sole purpose is to keep us addicted because our time equals their money. And that's something, that's a huge thing that we make people aware of at AGAP. A, a first step a lot of times is just awareness. It's saying, hey, look at what these people are doing to get your attention because your time equals their money. So of course, whenever an app is free, the product being sold is you. And so awareness is the first step. And then the second step is sort of showing them the positive side of it because it was funny. We took a whole freshman class 
a college freshman class out to an AGAP experience and I did my session. And afterwards, one of the guys said, oh, I don't believe her. (laughs) A lot of this next generation, because that's what they've been raised with, they don't even see the negative effects of it. And so the first step is just bringing an awareness of the negative effects. And then the second step is, okay, what do we do about it? And then the third step is really this ongoing accountability and this lifestyle. I'm curious to know, how long are these experiences? Are they a few days long? And then I'm curious to know, what kind of feedback do you get from people about how their experience might change during that amount of time or what insight they might gain. I know that making significant changes to habits can take a much longer time, but I'm wondering, you know, what development you see in the span of a single event like this. Typically, our reprieves are three days long where they start on Friday evening and go until Sunday afternoon. And it's crazy because a lot of the studies show that it takes 24 hours for us to be without our phones just for us to get rid of all the phantom vibrations and to to truly rest. And so a lot of times it's after that initial 24 hours, it's that Saturday night One of the most dramatic outcomes that we had from an AGAP reprieve was from somebody who came back in October and she was really struggling with anxiety and depression and just a very hard, hard background. And after coming to our AGAP experience, she actually turned in her smartphone and just got a dumb phone, a flip phone, if you will. Um, and it's so crazy because, I mean, that's been over a year ago and she still has the, I hate calling it a dumb phone, but you, you know what I mean. So whenever she goes anywhere, she has to print out the directions and she has to figure it out in advance. And it's been so cool because after she came in October, she came back in April of that next year. And then she just came back to another one that we had um, this past October. So that was the most dramatic one is that we had somebody come and she's been to three AGAP experiences since then turned in her smartphone for a dumb phone. And the biggest thing is that we we will have a lot of people come back, probably like maybe 20% of the people will come back. And every single time they say that they pull something different away, depending on the season of life that they're in. And it's so interesting because some of the times it can be similar messages. And that's where we try to get different AGAP guest speakers. That way they can get a different perspective each time. And actually one of our guest speakers, Jared and Michelle Brock, they have written different books and done different documentaries and they were from Canada. But I actually heard of them on a podcast and he mentioned that he didn't even have a cell phone. And his wife, Michelle, has never had a cell phone her whole life. It was just so much fun because we've had them come twice to AGAP experiences, one in 2018 and one in 2019. And it's so cool because at the end they had Q&A and one of the, some of the girls were like, well, don't you feel like you're not safe without having a phone? And she said, I actually feel more safe because I'm aware and I'm alert rather than being distracted. And a lot of times when people will get attacked or mugged or you know whatever that may be, it's because they're distracted rather than being alert and aware. So it was, I don't know, it was maybe that might be a little too much, but it, it was just a fun example of seeing that, you know, it can happen and people can survive and succeed and excel in this world without having a smartphone. I love that example because, you know, people, and I I include myself in this, often have a reaction to a suggestion about 
doing a detox or not using technology, even for a certain amount of time, catastrophizing type of reaction that, you know, the, the world will, will collapse if I don't have this. And if that initial reaction isn't examined, then we will tend to just go along with whatever it tells us. And you, know, you learn in mindfulness meditation practice, your mind can generate all kinds of stories that it tells you about things. And that's not bad or good. It's just a fact. But the problem is when you then listen to that story without examining it and then let it dictate your actions, you know? So I hear people say, oh, well, how could you get in touch with someone in an emergency? Fair enough, but you could have a flip phone, right? You could have something simpler than a smartphone. But the story that people's minds often tell them is, I need a full-fledged smartphone with all of these features on it that have nothing to do with saving me in an emergency or being able to call 911 or, or something else like that. It's, it's, the, it's the lack of examination of the reactive feeling and thought pattern that could get us into Trouble. I'm also a big fan of, although, you know, you have to watch how much you spend, of using different devices for different purposes. You know, I, I still love using my old Kindle for ebook reading, even though I could use my smartphone or my laptop for it, because it helps me stay focused, keeps me from temptation. There's all kinds of benefits for using a, quote, as you said, dumber or let's call it single-purposed or simpler device which strikes the right balance for you, whatever that happens to be. Yes. And that's something that we encourage people is because there's a lot of these other phones that have come out now, and I don't want to name any, but where it's meant to be like a weekend replacement of your smartphone. But a lot of what we've encouraged, because a lot of the people that we're working with can't afford to have one or two or two phones, we just tell them, you make the phone what you want it to be. So if you want it to be sort of like, one of the more simpler phones, then you make your phone that. You get rid of all your gaming apps. And, and, and I love what Catherine Price of How to Break Up With Your Phone calls it. She calls them the slot machine apps. You know, get rid of all those addictive apps and use it where it is a tool and it is a resource instead of being a distraction. Yeah, that's a great, great suggestion. You're right. You know, these are computers. They're very powerful computers. They're very configurable like I said, take advantage of that ability that you have to configure, periodically go through and delete things that you've used before. They don't have to stay on there just because you installed them once. It's, it is a way of, you know, you talked about, you've mentioned freedom many times. It's, it is a way of gaining freedom or empowerment if you want to look at it that way. You know, one thing to say, though, about, about technology is that technology is beginning to, to train our minds to not be as creative when it comes to problem solving as we used to be, you know, maybe 20 years ago, right? Because all of the answers or, you know, the way of figuring out how to do, whether it's, you know, statistics or, 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 or math probabilities or, you know, projections, it's all done for you now, right? Or the answers are right at your fingertips. So, you know, it's, it's interesting to kind of watch people when it comes to their problem solving skills. And not only that, but in the, and I apologize, I tend to go back to the more corporate side because I deal with that. Bethany deals more with the, like she was saying, the adults. And it's interesting to see not only people's lack of problem solving skills, 
but also their lack of ability for communication skills when it comes to conflict and resolution. So those are two things that, and I don't mean to take it away from what you were talking about, but I, I, I'm a firm believer that I think people do really need to step away from technology 100% for even if it's just for a day to really clear your mind and give yourself a sense of, of reset because you do, you do rediscover certain things about yourself and also your, your emotional mental state because you have to be alone with yourself for a certain period of time. And that's something that people are very much afraid of in today's day and age is a sense of solitude. And I think that's really important. And I hope that you, you touch on that at some point, but solitude is something that is very, very much needed for the human body and mind. And it's something that technology intentionally deprives you of. And then we then train the human being to think, oh no, don't be alone with yourself, right? Like God forbid you're alone. What could you possibly think about by yourself? Yeah, it's it's very interesting because part of what we've done from the beginning is we have an hour of silence and solitude at our AGAP experiences. And w- someone, whenever we we did an AGAP experience in January with 80 people, and then out of that came a private AGAP experience that they wanted us to work specifically with their group. And, and he asked, is there any way that we can do a session on why Silence and solitude is so important. And ever since then, that was May of 2019, we've incorporated that into our sessions as well. So it will include why silence and solitude is so important because a lot of that deep thought process that your brain is able to process these things that just go, 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 go. It doesn't have time to process these deep problem solving things. And like Natalie was saying, boredom cultivates creativity. And so a lot of times people all don't have that creative side that they used to because we're just constantly distracted. And it's it's the constant stream of information and the delightful but damaging hum of entertainment. And it just never ends. And I think that's something that we encourage people. And actually, like I was saying earlier, we took this whole freshman class to an AGAP experience. And we had several times of silence and solitude where they were able to process. And we did a survey afterwards. And the majority of people said that that was the highlight of their experience because it's so silly. But how frequently do we just go off and have silence and solitude unless we are forced to? And it's, it's just so important to externally process and have that time alone, like Natalie was saying, because we don't want to be by ourselves. And and that's why the headphones can be so damaging. I mean, we were in New York doing different demos with Natalie's and headphones isolate us in public, but then smartphones also don't allow us to be in the solitude and the silence when we are home and it keeps us constantly entertained. So it's doing the reverse effect, both when we're with people and when we're by ourselves. And and just just to give the other perspective. I do know that there are quite a few people, because we speak to a lot of people about this topic, you know, there are people out there that say, well, you know, there are certain games out there that do help foster creative thinking and problem solving habits. Like I believe they said Minecraft. So that's a topic, you know, although we tend to polarize ourselves to, to one side of this there, you know, there, there's both opinions on how technology can also be a resource for problem solving and for creativity. But again, we believe that it's within limitations, right? Yeah, it's really great. It's all it's all balance, and so what we've lost, I think, as I think the example you give of being constantly connected through the device, whether you're in public or at home alone, if you're if you're always connected, that's clearly not striking a balance between being uh, connected, interacting with the device, and having that 
connection to yourself, a solitary connection to yourself and your own thoughts and, and feelings and, and internal experience. I wonder, you know, you've given us a lot of great examples of, of how you help people, what people's experience is like at your reprieves. Can you t- give people uh, some guidance on where they can find you, where your upcoming reprieves are? You said you hold them all over, which is kind of amazing. How can people find out more, sign up if they're interested, get in touch with you? Yes, thank you for sharing that, Robert. Our website is agap.life. So it's A-G-A-P dot life instead of dot com. And we actually just launched our new website and we have different tabs if you say join the experience where we have faith-based ones for people who would like that. And then we have non-faith-based ones for people who would prefer that one as well. And then we also have private AGAP experiences. And this is something that we are expanding in 2020, whereas in 2019, we had two or three private where we partner with a group and we facilitate the whole weekend experience, all the logistics, all of the headaches that a lot of people don't have the time or energy to be able to do that. And so we facilitate the whole AGAP experience and then they simply are responsible for or bringing people or recruiting, if you will, uh, people to come and experience the AGAP reprieve. And so that was a big thing too. And then our Instagram is at AGAP Life. Another one is that our upcoming public experiences, our, our next one is in Florida and it is February 7th through 9th. And then the next one is March. We have it up in Asheville. And then in May, we have it in North Georgia. So primarily right now, we're in the Southeast, but our private AGAP experiences are extending all the way to Kansas City and all the way to Maryland. Thanks for letting us know, because I'm sure people will be interested in finding out how they can experience the experiences. (laughs) (laughs) Great. Great. Is there anything you'd uh, you'd like to leave people with? Maybe, you know, if there's one thing that they can do on their own or something that you think is most important for them to take away from this, if they're finding themselves, you know, struggling with technology, either in the professional side or personal side. Yeah, that's, you know, it's hard to summarize the trajectory of where technology is going, especially in both personal and professional, and really how to take a hold of it and manage it appropriately in either channel of your life. But I would say that, you know, you have to evaluate your values like Bethany's talked about. Evaluate your 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 values from a personal and professional as well as your goals from personal and professional perspective and and determine how technology is either enhancing those or or help or preventing you from progressing and and causing you to regress. And then from that point on, set small and tangible habits on how you're going to change your technology habits to make you not only a better person, but a more successful person. Again, like Bethany always says, technology. Technology is a useful servant, but a dangerous master. And that's a quote from, <laughs> from Christian Lewis Lang that we love saying. And it was funny at the first AGAPs when they were smaller and more intimate, whenever I would give them back their phone, I would say with great power comes great responsibility. Um, so really just empowering. And that is what we're all about. You know, a lot of people can be discouraging sometimes, but what we're all about is about empowering people that this is your life. And we only have a limited time and how can we be most intentional with the time that we have? And so that that sort of sums it up for us. And essentially how technology either benefits or takes away, or takes away from your life. 
Yeah, those are some great takeaway points for people to leave with. Well, thanks so much, Mary Grace, Natalie, and Bethany for being on the Technology for Mindfulness podcast. And I, I wish you the best of success with AGAP. Thank you for having us, Robert. Bye now. Thanks for joining us for this Technology for Mindfulness podcast with me, Robert Plotkin, and today's guests, Mary Grace and Natalie Sexton and Bethany Baker from AGAP, a nonprofit organization that hosts reprieves for helping people to develop new, healthier digital habits. You can find out more about AGAP at agap.life. If you liked today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and review, and share the episode with your friends. And don't forget to also check out our blog at technologyformindfulness.com for information and tips about science, technology, and mindfulness. And you'll also be able to find out about our Tap into Mindfulness course for helping you to take control of your smartphone at tapintomindfulness.com. I'm Robert Plotkin, and I'll join you next time on the Technology for Mindfulness podcast with performance and breakthrough coach, Dr. Wayne Pinnell. Mm-hmm.